Chase. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Hey, thanks for sticking with us here at WABC. Special shout out to everyone listening on the app or streaming at wabcradio.com. So I had the chance to sit down with NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell this week. And, she, you know, she's been trained by the FBI as a hostage negotiator. She was actually the chief hostage negotiator when she was at the Nassau County Police Department. And I asked her about that. So the- that was probably one of the, the the best parts of my career, being a hostage negotiator, a crisis negotiator. So the skills do translate in, into uh, what we do every day, what anybody does every, any day, which is uh, labeling emotions, uh, being able to determine what the person wants, making sure you listen, have active listening skills. So um, I think when you are in an environment in policing, when you have to deal with a number of different personalities to be able to determine uh, what is their focus, what is their contribution, what do they want to be uh, known for? Are they looking to make a splash? Are they looking to um, just get some sort of advancement or are they looking to cooperate with the situation at hand? So I think those active listening skills that we learn in negotiation and that we practice uh, come in very handy. Yeah, I'm sure because there are difficult personalities everywhere in oh, everybody's workplace. Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> and the more you have that, what Mayor Adams called that emotional intelligence, being able to read the signals that may not be spoken is incredibly helpful. It is very helpful. So I want to talk about uh, just very broadly and then drill down a little bit. How are the numbers? How are we doing here in New York City? So the numbers are very encouraging. We are in a dramatically different place than we were uh, last year. When, before this administration came in, shootings were at a 15 year high. Uh, homicides were up, uh, major crime across the board in the major categories were up. We, we re- recognized that the first thing we needed to do was get a handle on the violence, on the guns, the shootings um, overall in the city. So we put in place initiatives to be able to address that first and they worked. Um, shootings and homicides are down double digits. Now, the first quarter of 2023, we are down in five of the seven major categories in the city. Transit is down uh, seven or eight percent as well year to date. So uh, we recognize that while we had to stop the violence, we still had to address the other crimes as well and address quality of life across the city. And the numbers that we are seeing are very encouraging and, and they're going to continue to trend in the right direction. You know, I have to say, as someone who comes to New York City regularly now, um, walking across Midtown a lot, I do. it feels different. It feels better. However, the issue of crime is still very politically charged. Not to mention it does affect real people's lives as well. But I just want to talk the politics of it for a second. Bail reform, you've called it criminal justice reform, is a real political football. And you have politicians bloviating on both sides of the aisle, frankly. You have, you know, the decarceration crowd versus someone like Jim Jordan coming to New York City to basically crap on New York City. Meanwhile, you and your officers and your detectives have to do the actual work. And I've got to imagine the political pressure gets not just annoying, but also gets in the way of what you're trying to accomplish, which is keeping people safe. Well, that is always going to be my focus. I am focused on keeping the city safe and making sure that people feel safe too in the city. So I focus on what we need to do that. And when we talk about bail reform, as you said, I think we do ourselves a disservice just calling it bail reform. There are a number of different components that are attached to that legislation that uh, presents an issue for us. There are discovery aspects of it. There was raised the age before that. Uh, A number of things come into play when we talk about criminal justice reform. So I'm focusing on trying to advocate for the fact that judges need to be able to determine if someone is a public safety threat uh, when they determine whether to remand, set bail or release. And uh, when we talk about youth crimes, as we see uh, every day in the city, our our shooters are getting younger, our victims are getting younger and younger. So for judges being able to look at the whole picture of, of a youth that's brought into uh, the youth part of the criminal justice system, I think is important as well. But we focus on New York City. We focus on the people of the city, the victims of the city, the businesses of the city, and I'll leave the politics to someone else. Do the politicians ever consult you with what you're seeing on the ground or... 
does it not work like that? We have a great relationship. We actually started a system where we send out email blasts to our elected officials to let them know what's happening in their communities and with their constituents so they can see what we see every single day. And we, we, we expect the feedback. We expect to be able to talk and have a conversation about what we can do better and what we can do collaboratively. So talking about the community, building trust is fundamental to your job. People trust your officers that nothing is more important than that, that there is the two-way communication. There's that trust has frayed in the past several years. How do you bind it back together again? What do you do? We can't do anything without the community and we need the community to trust the police. It's been a, a challenging few years for policing in general. And that's just not just in New York City, that's really across the nation. But nothing is better than going to the community and finding out what they want from their police department. Uh, this month, actually last month, we started the first community CompStat. Everybody knows what CompStat is. It's been around for uh, decades, uh, probably the greatest crime fighting tool uh, in policing. So how do we make that better? We bring the community into the CompStat process, being able to have them come into the Jack Maple Conference Room in one police plaza through virtual um, means to tell the police department uh, what the challenges are in their communities. But it's also good for them to see how we hold their commanders accountable as well for what's happening in those neighborhoods. Uh, something as small as derelict vehicles all the way up to a condition for drug use in an area. But having that interaction on a daily basis with our community council hearings, with the meetings that our commanders have uh, across the board, letting them know that we're in this together, I think is going to make the difference. So you being the public face along with the manager of this very big police department, it's inevitable that you will be criticized. Anyone in a leadership position, especially something like this, does get criticized. Uh, I was reading recently that the Civilian Complaint Review Board recommended, uh, I think it was about 750 officers get disciplined in a certain way. You said more than half of those, I'm not going to take your recommendation. And there was criticism for that. How do you handle that? So I want to correct that right now. That is not what happened. Okay, because that's uh, what I read in the paper. <laughs> that is absolutely not what happened. Um, I actually have an internal affairs background. And if anyone thinks that I don't think officers should be disciplined appropriately, they are completely wrong. Mm. And then it could not be further from the truth. So if you want to listen to the rest of my conversation with NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell, check out my podcast. It's very creatively called Cut to the Chase Extra. And you can find it wherever you get your con uh, podcasts. I talked to her about the challenge of recruitment and retention in these times of police officers and what it's like to be the first female to lead uh, this force of 50,000 people, both sworn and civilian.